Left. Right. Yo, what's up? And thank you for joining this episode. This is episode 109, and uh, we just keep chugging along. This is an interesting episode. We're talking about uh, some fentanyl, fentanyl use, some opioid use in the cities. We're talking about some crazy pet peeves, some frustrating moments I've had over the last couple of weeks. I think everybody can relate. You may be on one side or the other side of them, but you'd probably be able to relate. And uh, we're talking about solution to violent crime is uh, solving violent crime as simple as reducing the number of jails that are being built. Uh, give the episode a listen. Shoot me a comment. I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, and those of you who do comment in the regular, I, I read all the comments. I try to get back to you guys. Uh, but thank you for being here. And uh, I uh, look forward to more episodes. So I'll see you guys on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Welcome to Sip Talk. This is episode 109. My name is Justin DiGiulio. I am sick as a dog. If you can't hear my voice, I am joined by the healthy James the Bosnator Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a referee, a, an accountant, a professional bartender, and uh, what am I missing here? Philosopher. 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 Um, so we'll get into a little philosophy today about uh the rule of law we're gonna we're gonna talk i got a few current events a couple of pet peeves i want to share with you and i want to talk about speed cameras and red light cameras just i don't even know how i stumble across that but uh you know it's something that drives me nuts and i'm, I'm curious your thoughts on it uh i want to uh, want to start with uh just being sick last week was a stressful week my family had a little medical uh emergency little bit of trauma. We were in the hospital the majority of the week. So sorry. Uh, sorry, we were offline last week, but thank you guys for joining us today. I'm glad to be back on. Um, but yeah, man, I, you know, finally kind of get things back on the rails here. And Sunday night, I'm planning to go to the office Monday, Sunday night, I'm feeling like a little under the weather. And I'm just, I instantly just got mad. I'm just like, Oh, shit, like, I'm gonna be sick now. I got to go into this week, fucking sick. So I figure uh, a couple of drinks can't hurt. I'm going to go with a high hydration point with the uh, watery Michelob Ultra, one of my oh. favorite beers. Alcohol is a natural antiseptic, so just have enough of it and it'll flush whatever you're drinking, uh, whatever's fighting you off um, out. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Lisa and Debbie. I uh, Mentally, I'm feeling a little better. I actually haven't eaten much today, so we'll see how uh, how fast we degrade here into the you know when the alcohol hits and i went it for a doesn't run take much i went for a run before uh before the podcast so i just zipped out of the shower and i'm down on a beer i didn't want to drink too much water before we started because this is sip talk podcast and those of you who, who are watching or listening we're gonna be here for an hour or so drinking it's really difficult to get and we don't we don't always make it but it's difficult to get through the hour without a piss break so I try not to drink much fluid uh, before the podcast. So I ran and I'm just following it up. You know, they How far did you go and what's your pace these days? Oh, my God. It's so bad. Also, I worked out chest on Sunday, back on Monday, and they were both like some intense workouts and I'm sick. So my body hasn't recovered. Every, every stride, I could feel like every muscle aching. They were like eight and a half minute miles. I did two miles and, you know, a jog pace. Uh, I just needed to, when I get sick, my thinking is like, I want to get my body. You ever heard of an Italian tune up? For yeah. A car? You know what an Italian tune up is? Yeah. The mechanic takes the car out. They hit about a hundred miles an hour and, uh, and they, they bring it back to you. And supposedly it clears, uh, all the, what's the word I'm looking for? Carbon buildup. Yeah. The carbon buildup off the spark plugs. And yeah, kinda... it's just to take the car out for like five or 10 minutes and dry it, drive it at high engine load and high RPMs, get the engine nice and hot and just burn off a whole bunch of stuff. So when I get sick, <laughs> which, which I'm, I am, I'm literally dying. Um, when I get sick, I usually, that's, that's my goal. You know, I, uh, I try to run a lot just to get like my, you know, sweat kind of going through my body, consume a lot of fluid, a lot of hot beverages. 
And uh, for some reason, vodka is my go-to when I'm sick. So if we get through these beers, I got a nice uh, crystal head vodka here. So uh, what are you drinking down there? I'm drinking an Edmund, Edmund's Oast Passion Fruit Sour, and I got a Bush Ice in the holster. Uh, you know, I put a tweet out this uh, over the weekend or earlier this week about how guys in the 80s with long hair uh, liked rock music and uh, and guys today with long hair and man buns are afraid of bread and they drink fruity beers. So are you letting your hair grow? Yeah, I just haven't had the time to to make an appointment with uh, the lady who cuts my hair. All right. No, I just uh, just a comment there. As long as you don't do the man bun, I get to blow my nose. And no, then, I, and then, my and then hair I doesn't to... allow for any of that. Like it's not curly, but it's wavy enough that it, it really can't ever straighten out. I, I just want to have an afro. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of work, especially if you sleep on it. You got to puff it up in the morning. You got to use a little product. Um, so I got a few pet peeves. You know, I've been out over the last week and. Uh, you know, I get, got a lot of time to let things stew, which is which is not good. You know, usually some shit happens. I'm on to the next thing. More shit happens. I'm on to the next thing. Maybe we talk about it a little bit here. Ah, but I got a couple of business things. You know, I was in the hospital and I asked for somebody from my office. And obviously, you know, I'm a lucky guy to be able to do this. But I asked for somebody from my office to run down a computer because I didn't realize the sheer amount of time I'd be spending in the hospital. And I said, hey. Um, please bring me a white HP laptop. And what was delivered to me was a black Acer laptop. So we were close. You couldn't get further away. No, we were one out of three. So uh, what's we, the, we, the laptop? Yeah. So when I said... Uh, Ooh, strawberry I, wheat ale sounds good. I said, uh, what? Five mile. I said, I said, why'd you, uh, why'd you, why you bring me a black computer? And she goes, oh, well, I tested this one. It was working. And I said, oh, oh well, I appreciate that. Thank you. But, you know, I, and I, I wasn't trying to be argumentative. She's a very sweet girl. I said, but, you know, I did ask for the white one. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know. But I know this one works. Because, you know, there's like one computer that we had to throw a couple computers away like three months ago. We went through, made sure everything was fully functional. There's one computer left that one of the buttons doesn't work. But uh, outside of that, all the computers are functional. But either way, her rationale was I tested this one. I know it works. But she failed to address me requesting the white computer. Like, why would I, you know, why specifically did I ask for the white computer? And when you made that decision on your own and not reaching back after me and saying, but you, you know, you, you asked for the white computer, but I know this one works. Is it okay if I bring this one? Right. They just assume that was right, even though I went out of my why would I ask specifically for one computer? I would assume that there's files on the white computer that you needed. Uh, no, it's just a smaller, more portable, uh, sturdier computer. And uh, I like that. The other ones are bigger, clunkier, a um, little slower. So but that's either way. I just the fact that I asked for something specifically and then they had a thought in their mind. I heard a story about somebody who, who asked somebody to go to the, the paint store or Home Depot or something and pick up a, uh, uh, a, a quart of Swiss, I think it's called Swiss coffee or Swiss mocha paint. Uh, so the person came back and, and it was for a bathroom and uh, the contractor came in after the guy painted the bathroom and he goes, why did you paint the bathroom shit brown? And he goes, oh, well, you asked for this Swiss coffee color. And he goes, yeah, you know, you know what Swiss coffee is? It's it's an off white. <laughs> so the person was just like, oh, I need to get a brown paint because there's coffee in the name. And came back with a brown paint. To me, it really kind of struck a chord with that. Like somebody. Yeah, but that's different paint. because like I could understand getting a brown paint. If you say get get Swiss coffee, I'm like, all right, I'm not able to find Swiss coffee, but you asked for a coffee color. OK, but that's what that's what the person did. That's what they did. Yeah, but that's a very big difference because their instructions were not super clear, whereas yours were. Well, that's, you know, when somebody asks for a name of, if I asked you for turtle shell green, would you, would you guess the color of a turtle shell and then bring me the closest green that you thought? Or would you Google it or like ask the person in the store, do you have a turtle shell green? They're not going to, they're not going to ask any... the person in the store. And yeah, if the they point, don't the have point, it, then I'm going to guess. The point is, is that in the request is a certain amount of specificity. And, 
nobody's going to nobody's going to request the this specific particular thing just to waste their breath. And that's and the fact that that was just ignored with the fulfillment of the request. And now the request is obviously I, I may do like I, the computer worked. It worked fine. But I was just it's a bit put off. Um, All so, right, here, here, then, let me give you another one about in, like specific instructions. Um, and this is a, a joke in the computer programming world. Um, so a husband's about to go to the grocery store and his wife says, oh, before you go, um, could you please grab a gallon of milk? And if they have eggs, grab a dozen. And so he comes back an hour later with 12 gallons of milk. Okay. Who's wrong I, here? <laughs> I know I get it. I get it in the computer programming. I get the logic to the statement. I get the logic to the statement. I'm, I'm on the same page. I feel like a lot of people that they, they missed the logical progression of the, of the request. If there are eggs, then grab 12. But we're, the principle of the command is milk. Exactly. Right. So uh, grab one gallon of milk. If they have eggs, grab 12 gallons of milk. Oh, man. So who's wrong there? Well, nobody rationally would grab twelve gallons of milk. The milk's not gonna. The milk's not gonna last. So that's, that's but the instructions yeah. were specific, and and that's why when you have something that you're not sure on, especially when there's something specific, that you uh, you would clarify. Somebody in my office was you know running to grab coffee. What usually what I do is I, I say who wants coffee, and then like if you run to get the coffee, I'll buy your coffee. So they said, uh, what do you want? I said I want uh, a large coffee with a little milk, and they're like, what type of milk? I'm like regular. And they're like, well, is that whole milk? Is it 2%? Is it oven milk? I'm like, look, I don't know. When I go to Starbucks, which is where they were going, I asked for regular milk. And they give me, they give me the coffee. And I'm good. Probably with whole milk. And she's like, well, you know, is it almond milk? Is it oat milk? Is it soy-free milk or whatever? And I'm like, look, I'm like, look, I, one, I don't think it's almond milk. Two, I don't think it's oat milk. Three, I don't think it's anything that doesn't come from a cow. But I asked for regular and they give me what they give me. So if you just ask for regular, you'll probably get what I get. And that's just go in, ask for regular. They're like, yeah, but I, I, I need to know which milk. I'm like, look, just, you just say what I say. It'll work out for you. That, that was the point that I was making. Um, all right. I, feel, I, don't, I don't know if I want to. I feel bad because these are sweet people. The, the intern that brought me the, the laptop is the sweetest girl. It was, it was actually her last day. And I wasn't going to. Usually on the interns, I try to take them out for lunch on their last day. And I wasn't, I wasn't there. For that so it was really sweet of her to come down and you know it was that was nice and she brought the computer which is really the the, the moral of the story um i'm going to give you two more pet peeves happened in the office today somebody said uh they, their clients applied with the on-site leasing office and the agent showed them the apartment the agent registered the clients put down his phone number and uh we 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 haven't been in touch with the clients. The clients have kind of ghosted us, but we still stand to get paid by the landlord because we brought the client. Now we finally got a hold of the landlord today, and uh, they said we've been trying to call you for ten days. The number that your agent put down is incorrect. So I wasn't talking to the landlord. They were talking to the agent. The agent told me, "Yeah, they've been trying to call us for ten days, but the number we gave was incorrect." Let me let me ask you a question. If I gave you the wrong number, would you try me? for nine more days at that number i'd probably try two or three times at the most but, that, but you but you know the number's wrong right after like the first time i'm gonna be like maybe i misdialed it because like uh, that's happened to me before so i'm gonna dial the number it's gonna come back wrong and be like all right i probably punched in a key wrong i'm gonna try it one more time and i'm like all right maybe i'm just really stupid and i can't type in numbers today after the third time i'm like all right i've typed in this number right it's not the right number I'm done. exactly yeah you might try two or three times in a row in that moment and then you're just like you know what i'm i'm good I'm yeah good. that's my point but i was just i was like no you know they didn't call us 10 days in a row like it's on us like we should have been following up them like no they said they called 10 days in a row well that's come on. well then they're idiots uh hi maria uh let's see five million he's saying it's not hard to clarify the details or to ask where it is uh, you, if you want a cheddar, here's some monster. Yeah, that's the thing. They're like, oh, well, you know, I, you asked for sharp cheddar cheese and somebody brought back monster and they brought back the monster cheese because it was fresh. Well, but you like at least talk to the person who made the request. Like, I'll give it to the person. They're like, oh, is that whole milk or is it 2%? I'm like, I don't know. I asked for regular. Um, 
I got one more for you. And this is the stuff that drives me nuts. So I, we work with a landlord. He's a, he's a really tough landlord. He, he shoots, he kills. I think he enjoys killing our deals. So we sent over an application. Uh, I follow up with him. I call him and like a week goes by. I call him every day. I email him every other day and uh, I can't get a hold of this guy. And I know he's like this. So we prepare the client. We're like, hey, just so you know, landlord's a busy guy. It's kind of a single man show. They have a lot of properties and it's, it's very, very busy for them right now. Um, they're slow to reply. So bear, bear with us. So on day six or so, business day six, they get back to us. And they're like, oh, that, that place is rented. And he actually asked me for more documents earlier on. So he's like, oh, we, you know, we need this. And so then I email back. I'm like, oh, well, it's rented. But what, you know, why didn't you tell me this when you were asking for more documents? Um, either way, he's like, they're rented. Do they want something else? So the agent said they saw another apartment in the building. The super showed it to them. It's not on the landlord's list of vacant apartments. So the landlord hasn't told us about this unit. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to apply for this unit unless like, like I know all the details about how we came to see it. Like, did we wander into it? Did the, if, if the super showed it to us, like the landlord's going to say, why were you wandering into our, why were you trying different doors in the building? How did you find out about this? Uh, and the agent's like, oh, the super showed us. I'm like, okay, tell me exactly what happened. He's like, all right, the super gave me a list of other apartments and we went and saw them and uh, we applied on 6G. We saw one across the, he didn't say across the hall. We saw another one, 6H. And we want to, we want to transfer our application to 6H. Uh, sorry, guys, we're joining us. We're just kind of talking about pet peeves. So thank you. Uh, thank you for joining. Just bear with me here. Uh, so he goes, it's apartment 6H. The, the super showed it to us. So I emailed the landlord and I said, hey, we were at the building. The super gave us a list of other apartments. And uh, my client really liked apartment 6H. And they consider that if the price is comparable. So the landlord who I, I'm trying to save face, like I want to look competent, all my trends, because this guy's kind of a jerk, all my transactions, I want to dot every I, cross every T, come across sincere and, and you know, like I'm, I'm sharp and I know what I'm doing. So the landlord emails me back and he goes, uh, apartment 6H is a, an occupied unit. How did you guys go into, it's not for rent, the guys aren't moving out. How did you go see this apartment? So now I'm like, fuck, now I got I to go talk to the agent. I'm like, well, do, do you know if it's, how do you know it's 6H? And he's like, well, there wasn't a, there wasn't a, <laughs> there wasn't a label on the door. So there was no apartment number on the door, but it was right. It was right across the hallway from 6G. Okay. So what? Now, if you've ever been into an, an into an apartment building in Manhattan, obviously you, if there's G and H, you're probably starting at A. All right. And the way that it works is it's not going to be apartment A and then across the hallway, apartment B, and then across the hall. It's not going to go A, C, right? It's going to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then H is going to be next door to G, not across the hallway from G. So I asked, I'm like, I, I want to know exactly what happened. How did you come about seeing this apartment? Um, and he just made up the apartment number. Well, and also why, like if he was interested in the apartment and it truly was open, then why didn't he just ask the super and be like, hey, I don't see the number on that door. Can you tell me well, what apartment uh, number that point is? is? Yeah, point. And again, the sweetest agent. He's a he's a he's a really nice kid. He's not, not a kid. Actually, he's like 30 years old. Really nice guy. Super nice guy. He, and he, he, he gets deals. So that's good. He's definitely good with his clients. But I'm like, dude, I need to know exactly what happened. Tell me, you know, you went in the building. When did you you call the super before you got there? Like the super walked with you to the apartment doors or he just gave you the list and said, you know, tell me exactly what happened. But at some point, we just made up this apartment 6H and the landlord's like, nah, somebody lives there and they're, they're not moving out. That's the shit that like my blood boils when that. And, and obviously, as far as a landlord's concerned, I'm the one that looks like like an idiot. So well, it's because somebody didn't cross their T's. Yeah. And I think obviously because I haven't had much sleep over the last week and now I'm sick. I'm just like I'm like zero to 60 like that. So I mean, can I give you one? Sure. I'm, I'm all I'll for go the, with one. I'm all uh, for the pet peeves. This is relatively recent, but I really don't like it when when people don't follow my advice and then ask me to fix the mistakes that they made because they didn't follow my advice. I well, I I'll let you finish, but uh, I'll give you an example. Yeah, I figured tax I figured return. Yeah, there's a 2019 partnership return. Originally had a due date of 31520. We extended it till 91520. 
during that period of time, we ask the client a number of times, hey, this is the information we need to finish the return, right? They don't get it to us by 9, 15, 20. So we're now nine and a half months after when we should have had the information. Well, six we months. don't have it. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Like 315 is the deadline. In reality, they should have been able to have this information by like January 15th. Okay. We needed literally one document. All we needed to know was what was the interest that they paid on the mortgage that they had and what was the ending balance of the mortgage so we could book the liability. Yeah, that was sheer laziness. And, and so 915 comes by and now the extension deadline's passed. We're now in late filing territory. For partnerships, the penalty for late filing is $205 per partner per month. So there's two partners on this return, $410 per month. Nice. All right. Is that a big company? I'm just curious. Obviously. So, no, no, no. It's a small company. It's, yeah. it's, it's two people that own it. It's, it's a real estate partnership that owns land in a building. And then they rent that land to their own business, which is a separate entity. This so is, it's all is, kind of self-contained. And when it comes to it, people come to me typically when they're already skidding off the road. And they're like, hey, how, you know, how can I fix this? I'm like, look, I, te- I teach you how to drive. All right. I teach you the speed limits. I teach you, I tell you where your seatbelt, keep your eyes on the road. But once you're skidding off the road, you're either going to hit the tree or, or you're going to be in the clear. But I can't help you. It's too late. Like, it's too late. Yeah. So, so now, like, it's February or March. And like, I'm reaching out to this client because I'm working on some of their other stuff. And I was like, hey, by the way, we haven't filed your 2019 return for this partnership. This is what we need. They still don't get it to me. And then I say, look, we are in late filing territory. Every single month you don't file, it's another $410. And as soon as they do that, they say, well, why didn't you tell us that there was going to be penalties? I'm like, first of all, we asked you a number of times last year. Second of you, all, you, like oh, we, you should have you should have told them about the penalties. No, they, they, this is this is not something that like we need to tell them about. I you should know that I mean, when you late file, there's going to be penalties. I, I get that. I would have I would have told. But them. it wasn't until we told them that there was going to be penalties that they got us. And then when the notice they got a notice for three thousand two hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah, I figure it was right now, right about that three thousand dollar. Yeah, three thousand two hundred and eighty dollars is what they are assessed. And then they send us an email and say, what's this for? Like, we already told you what this is. And then I had to go and write a letter asking for abatement of the penalties, which took up like half an hour or 45 minutes of my day to send to the client for them to mail. I was like, I don't even want to do this because this wasn't an honest mistake. This was you being lazy. Yeah, man. And so it's just you not listening to me created more work for me later. (laughs) Well, that's why you should have told them about the penalties. That's that's on you. There you go. That's that's your incentive. So, look, here's what I want to talk about. Real quick, I want to I want to uh, pivot a little bit. I want to talk about AOC. I want to talk about fentanyl, and then I want to talk about uh, then I want to talk about traffic light cameras and speed cameras because that's the shit that that drives me nuts. You got Lisa who co-signs with you, uh, yeah. You know, basically about people not following your advice and then and then coming at you. So, uh, but it, it's frustrating, and, and you know, when you work with a lot of other people and like uh, people just do dumb shit. That's the thing. Like you're faced with a lot of decisions and either you could not make the decision and just deal with the outcome or you can make a decision one way or the other. But I, I, a lot of people don't make decisions and just deal with the outcome in like all aspects of life or a lot of people actually make the bad decision. You know, I, I put a post on TikTok the other day that said something along the lines of there's three people, you, you know, that you, you should be aware of and two people you got to take care of the, uh, take spend more time taking care of future you and and the now you will be happy right and the past you will be content so there's three people all right don't spend any time on the past you because it's not going to get you anywhere um and if you spend too much time on the now you the future you is is going to be miserable and the past you is also going to be miserable past you is going to be no the past you is not going to be miserable the past you is past you well past you but yeah but as you progress into future you current you becomes past you and you 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 fucked up like you didn't take care of the long term so now you're you know kind of like when it comes to dieting or something like that like yeah eating cake's gonna make current you happy but when current you becomes past you and past you is you know fat bastard eating cake uh no fat bastard you is future you no 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 well if you're eating we're, we're not saying that you're you're trying to get in shape so you're out of shape now you is out of shape 
Yeah, but that's future. All, you. all, all now, past, past, current, and future. You are all out of shape. All right, <laughs> you're you're eating cake now. Yeah, but that's you. in the future. So we're still talking about future use. You're, you're the philosopher here. <laughs> this is right up your alley, actually. No, this one's really simple. Dude, we had cake at the house on the. I got cake uh, the other weekend, and nobody really ate it. And then we had cake. The cake's still here. So I'm like, oh shit, this cake's gonna go bad. So I had a monster workout the other day. And then I just ate like half the cake <laughs> and I felt good about it. I felt really good about it. I was like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Right after a workout, this is exactly what I did. I made a little protein shake and I sipped it along with she just cake. put the cake in the protein shake. I thought about it. I thought about it, but it would have, <laughs> but it would have, but I would no longer would have been eating cake. I would have been eating chocolate flavored protein. Would have been drinking cake. So yeah. And the, the, the protein shake was good. And the cake was, good. I didn't mix them. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, and it felt good. It felt good. You know, I've been uh, I've been trying to hit the weights a little harder lately just to deal with the last week or so, just to deal with frustration and bullshit. So, uh, you know, cake's gone now, though. (laughs) Um, All right. I saw an AOC quote. I think I saved it here somewhere. Um, But her solution to reducing violent crime was to build fewer prisons. you have thoughts on this? I do, but I need to think about where they land. It's obviously. Uh, first a- of, but hold on. Hold on. That's not. That's that's not a solution. Well, no, it's conflating cause and effect. It's, well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's the, the, the we need to address the cause. The, you know, people committing violent crimes has very little to do. You could you could you could you could bend it far enough to say, you know, the prison system is bad. Da, 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 da. Um, but ultimately she, I'll, I'll read you the quote. Uh, if we want to reduce violent crime, if we want to reduce the number of people in our jails, the answer is to stop building more of them. Well, hold on a sec. She, that's, that's technically correct. Yes, that's, that is correct. Yes. If we, if, if, if look, if, if we want to look, if we want to stop seeing fat people in jeans, all right, we got to stop making jeans that fit fat people. Right. But, and so the story. Now, there's, if, now, if now we want to reduce our prison, like if we don't want to have a prison population, don't have prisons. Yeah, that's not going to eliminate crime. That's just not going to eliminate it, prisons. Nor is nor is not making plus size jeans going to eliminate fat people. Right. It's like, just going not, to eliminate fat people wearing jeans. It is exactly. And, and, and you know, violent crime, violent criminals being in jail will be eliminated by not having. Now, here's where you can jail. twist the argument a little bit to get it to make more sense is you can say that. If there are for-profit prisons, which there are very many of, and they continue to build more of them, and the for-profit prisons donate to the police unions, then the police unions have an incentive to arrest people to, to increase the populations of the for-profit prisons. So you could have a system that tries to self-sustain in, in a way that negatively impacts society because of the existence of prisons. But <laughs> re- that's a completely different argument from how to eliminate crime. That's Let just basically you- saying we're enforcing things that we shouldn't be enforcing or we're applying punishments that aren't really necessary to enrich the people that are building prisons. Let me read you the next line. But but look, my you my follow think- the argument, though. I, I do. And my thinking on for profit prisons is. Is somewhere along these lines somewhere along these lines look at public housing public nobody wants to live in public housing public housing is trash so if you if you put the prison systems in the hands of the government it's it's not going to it's not going to get better for the people that are in jail right it's a really poor argument uh, but but I think a lot of that stands up. A lot of that. No, it's it, it falls apart because the aim of public housing is different than the aim of prisons. I I agree with you there. I agree with you there. And but because I the don't goals think... don't align, you can't say that public housing being administered poorly means that public prisons will be administered poorly. Whereas private housing is more efficient, therefore pr- private prisons are more efficient because private housing has a different goal than private prisons do. Sure, but run by public services, you got to deal with the bureaucracy of the government, and shit goes to shit. Things go to shit when you and and I, I, you know, sure, some things will be solved, but but 
I, I think generally the prisons will decay. And I don't think the public is doing a very good job in a lot of things. You look at infrastructure, you look at schools. Nobody in New York City wants to go to a fucking public school. T- parents are terrified of that. Um, you know, and schools have are nothing like housing, right? But public schools suck. No, 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 no. Public schools have a different goal from housing. Hey, that's my point. But it's still run by the government. And that's the issue. The issue is the government. The issue is that the government's no. doing a shitty job. But here, let me read you the next line. Uh, if we want to reduce violent crime, if we want to reduce the number of people in our jails, the answer is to stop building more of them. And then she continues. The answer is to make sure and this and here here she's right. The answer is to make sure that we actually build more hospitals. We pay organizers. We get people mental health care and overall health care, employment, etc. It's to support communities, not throw them away. And uh, that's that's a good point. But but her first statement doesn't make any sense. No, it makes. And, and when you it, say it, nonsense things, when you no, say nonsense, her things, first statement makes complete sense in the in in the context of if you want to reduce prison population, have less prisons. But that doesn't but the address issue, no, the no, we root want to cause reduce, of crime. We, we want to reduce violent crime. So she, it's a two-parted uh, predicate. If you want to reduce violent crime, if you want to reduce people, the number of people in our jails, right? It's two part. It's two parted. So. Uh, the answer is to stop building more of them. And that's, yeah, but you need to make sure that you're tying each argument appropriately to its context, because if she's saying, if you want to reduce the number of people in jails, stop building so many of them, that statement holds up pretty clearly. And if you want to reduce violent crime, let's support hospitals and education and mental health and community services. That statement also holds up. Well, so again, it's, if you're trying to crisscross the statements, if you're saying, reduce prison population by building less prisons, reduce violent crime by supporting community activities and everything. Those two stand on their own. But if you try and cross them and you start with one, pre- like one, uh, crap. but, but look, no, here, here's what happened. Here's what happened. She lost the listeners. She lost anybody who the issue is when you're talking to a crowd, you have to win over the people that disagree with you. You're not there to win over the people that, that you that already you have. Right. You're there to win over the people that disagree with you. And you, when you say nonsensical sentences that turn people off, they stop listening. That's it. They stop listening. So you right, say so, a sentence like that. It doesn't matter what else you say. You've lost. You've lost. That's it. Yeah. I, I still think that you might be misreading her statement to draw the wrong conclusion. I'm I'm now reading the whole statement. Right. I'm now reading the whole statement, right? The statement says, if you want less fat people, if you want less fat people wearing jeans, you need to stop making plus size jeans. The real answer is you need to make people eat healthier and encourage people to exercise. But when you say, if you, if you want to see less fat people in jeans, stop making plus size jeans, you, lo- you, you, you lost people. People tune out. They're like, you're crazy. You're loco. You can't say stuff like that. And I don't know. If someone said something like that, I'd immediately be more interested in whatever they're saying next. <laughs> you might be. Most people, most people <laughs> would not be. Uh, what's up, Alejandro in Mexico? Buenos dias. What's up, uh, Christine, who might be moving to Florida? She might be in Florida by now, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, Cake is still there. I'm on my way. So- sorry, Raj. Cake is gone. Um, so look, so I got the AOC. Then I wanted to this this kind of coincides with the violent crime and the drug use. I was reading an article today on drug use in San Francisco. I was going to bring it up on, on uh, the uh, next podcast when David joins us from Sacramento. But, you know, he may not he may. Uh, you know, he's in Sacramento. So it's relatively close to San Francisco. It's about an hour and a half. It's not that close. I couldn't tell you anything going on in any towns an hour and a half from my house except for manhattan so and it's a big city so maybe he knows i don't know but i spend almost every day in manhattan i don't know if he spends almost every day in san francisco but they were talking about the drug use just being rampant in the streets and uh, this is interesting uh the hospitals and the police were saying that uh opioids are really not as common most of the drug use and the crime is based around fentanyl Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. It's uh, is it is it addictive? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
but it works a lot faster than no it doesn't work faster it it just is stronger it's it's the difference between this is a poor analogy but it works where if you have morphine is like beer heroin would be like wine and fentanyl would be like everclear where they all do the same thing and they all work the exact same speed it's just it's much easier to overdose on everclear if you're taking if you're taking 12 ounces of a beer you're going to be fine if you take 12 ounces of wine you're probably going to be okay like you'll feel something but you'll be okay you take 12 ounces of Everclear, you're probably going to be in the hospital. And the difference is you're not going to be able to take 12 ounces of Everclear because if you have a couple drops on your tongue, it burns and you immediately know. But to know if, if you're taking, if you're doing heroin, to know how much fentanyl has been mixed in with the heroin is almost impossible to know unless you have some kind of chemistry kit to be able to separate the two out. So it would be like drinking a glass of, of wine and not being able to taste the difference between wine and Everclear. And then at the end of it, being passed out, vomiting from alcohol poisoning because you didn't realize that you were drinking 95% alcohol instead of 12% alcohol. So it works on the same receptors. It has the exact same effect on the body. It's just much stronger. Yeah, well, I, I read actually that compared to morphine, f- morphine kicks in you know, roughly 30 minutes in and that fentanyl kicks in almost instantly. No, that's that's going to be a delivery system. Well, if you that's... if you're taking something intravenously, then it's going like morphine, heroin and fentanyl are all going to be injected into your veins and they're all going to be in your bloodstream at the exact same moment. And they're all going to do the exact same thing. It's just the strength with which they do it. Um, like when I was in the hospital, when I broke this arm in two places, <laughs> that was wrestling, right? It was Jun- junior year wrestling, sophomore. So, so just just so those of you guys who don't know the story, James was in a wrestling match. We were all watching. The wrestling team was watching. And uh, James, uh, you know, James, you, you weren't a great wrestler, but you, no, were, I wasn't. you were you were a technical wrestler and you uh, and you wrestled and, and you, you, you didn't you didn't. You fought. You didn't give up. Like you weren't. It wasn't my first wrestling match. I no. My point is my point is what I was supposed to do. My point is that you weren't a shitty wrestler, right? You weren't a great wrestler, but you were. You you know you you were. I wasn't completely incompetent. I just wasn't great. Yeah, but you. So you were wrestling the guy and losing, but you weren't losing by a lot. Well, it was really early in the match. What we started off, he shot a single, and so now he's got my leg under his arm. And so what you're supposed to do then is you're supposed to put your back to his back and try and get back on your top chest, of him. your chest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Your chest to his back. And so when I did that, the balance shifted and I had to put my arm down on the mat for balance. So that way I didn't fall over and immediately be like underneath him. And so as our weight shifted, I kept on putting more and more weight on my arm. And it was the first match of the season. And I'm just like, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to fight. And I kept and like more and more weight shifted onto my arm until both his weight and my weight were on my arm. And then my arm said, uh, no, not happening today. And I just yeah. felt crack, crack. My arm gave out. And I was like, I don't know what that was, but it didn't well, feel good. I, I want to I share from, from my perspective because that was the interesting perspective, in my opinion. I don't know. You were there. Yours is probably more interesting, uh, you know, but, but it was, it's a funny story because we saw this guy shot you. He grabbed your leg. You're fighting back. You're fighting back. You guys go down and you're kind of like tussling a little bit. And then you just give up. You just give up and roll mm-hmm. over. And we're like, oh, that was that was weird. He just kind of gave up and, and he got pinned. And then you walk over to shake the. So typically in high school wrestling, you shake the uh, opposing coach's hand at the end of the match. You walked over to shake the coach's hand. You stuck your arm up and it went like. Well, no, I, it was my left arm. So I went to shake him with my right arm because that was the good arm. And like, I remember, so as soon as I felt the arm give out, I was like, that's not good. And I was like, I'm not, I don't know exactly what happened, but I know enough that I shouldn't be wrestling. I just, I remember you holding up your arm and it went in like a Z pattern. Yeah. And so like, I immediately let it, let him pin me. Cause I'm like, like there's, there's more important things at foot here. We'll find out what they are in about 10 seconds. And I remember getting up through the haze of the adrenaline and now like the endorphins as my body enters into shock, which happens really quickly. Yeah. Um, and like this dizzying view and I look up and my arm is just like in a boomerang. And I was like, oh, 
Yeah, that makes sense. And then, like, again, I'm just kind of on autopilot. It's like, after the match, what do you do? You go shake the opposing coach's hand. So that's what I did. And then I come back to our, our coach, and I was like, I think I need to go to the hospital. Uh, that, uh, yeah. So anyways, I, I just remember you holding there, up your actually. hand. like. And so like... she drives me to Albany Med, and we get to Albany Med. We're in the ER. And this was probably one of the quickest triages that they'll ever do because they're just like, oh, uh, we, all right, um, you're in. We, we don't need to ask you any questions. We'll figure oh, out other things later. And so now I'm in like a hospital bed in the back of the ER. And like one of the nurses comes up and she's like, we're not doing anything until we get some pain medication for you. She's like, we need to get that x-rayed, obviously, but we're not going to ask you to do anything until we're able Smart. to give you some pain medication. Smart thing. And so. They gave me morphine and they're just like, we need to get this as fast as possible. So they gave me like an IV of morphine and they didn't even have time to like actually set up like an IV drip or anything. So they basically just had like a syringe full of morphine and they said, all right, here you go. And like they injected it right around where my elbow is. And I will never forget this sensation because like my body's in shock. I'm I'm, like in a fair bit of trauma from this. And so just stressed and agitated and everything. And then there's this little pinprick and then there's relaxation starting at my elbow. And then every heartbeat, just this feeling of relaxation moves down my arm, up my arm, through my shoulder, across my chest. And the the sensation was almost instant. Like it took a while to spread across my body. But the yeah, sensation but of going right from feeling completely awful to feeling relaxed. And I wouldn't say happy. I wasn't happy. But well, and so things, I remember it, I was just like, I can see how people get addicted to this. And so fentanyl was going to do the exact same thing. If you inject, inject it intravenously, you just need a lot less to achieve yeah. the same result, yeah. which is why it's so easy to overdose. It's about 40 times stronger than heroin, I think. Yeah, man. But I, and I mean, later that night, I got fentanyl when they had to reset my arm. Oh shit! Oh shit! Yeah, because my mom Locked was there, it. and she's like, "Yeah, they're giving you fentanyl and Versed. Versed's a fast-acting benzodiazepine. It's basically a knockout punch. Yeah, they give it to you, and like you count back from ten, and by the time you make it to about six, you, you your memories stop, like you're just out. <laughs> and so then they gave me fentanyl because fentanyl is a really good pain medication. So now yeah. I count back from ten, and I'm out. And then about, well, at some point, I don't know how much time passed, but I remember waking up to two residents torquing on my arm. Oh, fuck. And that was enough to wake me up from my fentanyl haze because it hurts so much. Wow. And that woke me up. And then, like, once they got the arm realigned, now they're casting it. And I'm awake now. And I'm just sitting there in this fentanyl haze. And way off in the distance, I've got an oxygen mask on. And I hear... (sighs) James, uh, James, right. And James, you need to remember to breathe. I just remember <laughs> sitting there. I was just like, that's too much work. I am too happy right now. This feels really, really good. Oh, fuck. And I, I remember after that, I was like, I can never go near anything like that because I can see how addictive it is for me to be in that state. Where that's breathing is drugs, too much man. work, I'm that happy. That's the thing about drugs. Drugs are good. Drugs are good. When somebody, here's my advice for any, for all kids, somebody offers you drugs, and, and, you're, and you say the right, the, the the first best answer is no, thank you. But if somebody's offering you drugs, they're probably going to be like, no, no, no. Trust me, try it. You'll like it. Your answer needs to be, uh, I know I'll like it, but no, thank you. I, I I believe you. I believe you. It's going to make me feel good, but I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. That, like, I know, I know I'm going to like it. Like, you know, somebody offers me a piece of cake under most circumstances. I say, no, thank you. Like, it's really good cake. And I'm like, yeah, but these are really nice pants and I want to fit into them. And, and you know, you'd be surprised the amount of times you get offered cake more times um, than I get offered drugs. Depends on where you go. Yeah. Well, but yeah, that's so when it comes to the different opioids or whatever, they all act on the brain in basically the same way. And if you're taking pills like Oxycontin or something, then it's going to take a lot longer for it to hit you because it's a time release and it takes time to make it through your digestive system. But 
if you're injecting it, it doesn't matter what strength it is. It's going to act on the body the same way. It's just what magnitude of an effect it has. Well, here's what's next for all of us. We're all going to be on uh, low dosages of intravenous uh, synthetic drugs, and we're all going to be uh, in virtual reality, buying and selling NFTs. That's that's just what's next for us. As someone who holds stock in an NFT company, people need to start buying more NFTs. <laughs> NFTs are it's brilliant that that's a topic of conversation. I I don't understand it. I just invest in it because I don't like having money. <laughs> no, it's 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 definitely going to be. We should do uh, another topic about N- NFTs, but they're going to be big. It's 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 you know the way I heard it described was you know so, to basically to an adult like hey do you give your kid uh, your credit cards so, so they can uh, you know buy stuff on Fortnite and they're like yeah uh, and they're like, okay the shit they're buying that's NFTs the armor they're buying that's NFT like that's they're they're buying not entirely know, well yes and no yeah you're 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 right and I'm right but the the analogy holds to a certain degree exactly yeah we i don't want to get it too much into it because i actually we need to do a whole podcast on nft okay uh, so we'll we, we'll get there soon um just want to say hi to uh gilbert in laredo texas and let's talk about traffic lights so right. traffic light cameras recently got a ticket for driving in a bus lane and uh, i turned down 14th street in manhattan which basically separates like lower midtown from effectively like downtown like anything below 14th street is like greenwich village west village greenwich village east east village is below 14th street and we really consider that the line for downtown now i heard on the radio that 14th street is now only for buses but i was crossing 14th street perpendicularly and i looked down 14th street and there were cars driving down 14th street so I'm like, and I'm looking, there's no signs that say no turns. So I turn on 14th street, drive down, just got a ticket in the mail. Actually, I didn't get a ticket in the, in the mail. So I got a ticket in the mail because car is registered in her name. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the other elements I want to talk about speeding cameras because 2019, I went out to long Island, Adam, who has Adam Sindaban, who's been on this podcast before, uh, for some reason, we oh, I left my motorcycle at the office in Manhattan and uh, we took the car out to Long Island. So we drove the car back together and then we drove to the office. I hopped on the bike and drove the bike home and he met me at the apartment. Uh, lo and behold, even though we, you know, we're both dudes, so we hadn't mentioned anything, but we were uh, racing each other. <laughs> so, uh, so, of course, he was exceeding the speed limit in the 9-11 in uh, midtown Manhattan, and he got a ticket. But you of got course, a ticket. I got a ticket. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the, you know, one of the smaller issues with red light cameras and speeding cameras is that the ticket goes to who the car is registered to. So if you're an adult and you have kids, you get teenagers, they're, they're driving your cars because... You know, should a teenager be paying $230 a month for uh, full coverage insurance or should they be paying, you know, $78 a month under your policy for full coverage insurance? You know, I don't think any parent, the parent, you know, can say, look, teenager, you got to pay me. But well, you'd, yeah, be, you'd but- be a shitty parent if you're like, yeah, you're going to pay $230 a month for the same policy you would have under me at, at $78. Yeah, it's just whatever my policy would be without you, you're paying the difference for it with you. Yeah, exactly. So, and it comes out better than if you have your own policy. Yeah, it's a win-win for the teenager. It's maybe not a win-win, but the car is registered in the parents' name, so the parents are going to get the ones that are getting these electronic tickets. So, here's my issue with red light cameras and right. and speeding tickets in general is that there's kind of this tacit agreement between the public and law enforcement that there is a an acceptable level of speeding on a given road at a given time. And it depends on what road you're on, but if you're going the speed of traffic and you're not driving aggressively or causing problems, then it doesn't really matter what speed you're going. You're not going to get pulled over. So if you're on a highway and it's a 55 
and everyone's around you is doing 65 and you're also doing 65, technically you're breaking the law, but you're not going to get pulled over because the police take context into consideration and they are not going to pull you over. And so there's this kind of unwritten agreement between the public and police that as long as we're not doing things to draw attention to ourselves or be problematic, then you allow us to break the law in small and harmless ways and you don't punish us for it. Red light cameras break that agreement because all they do is measure your speed. And then send you a no, not not red light cameras, speed speed cameras. Red light cameras can check speed too. Yeah, but red light cameras is not everybody's running a red light. Like I'm using red light cameras as a umbrella term. I got I the the last traffic, so I have to drive to the train station every morning. The last light, and you know sometimes I'm cutting it close. The last light is a minute forty, which is a long ass traffic light. So. There's been times, actually, there's been times where I've taken a right turn. I have to take a left turn at this light. I've taken a right turn and done a U-turn and then come back uh, to to avoid this light, which is also illegal. I don't know. I should have just taken the fucking left turn, I guess. But, but you know, the train's coming. I got to get on the train. This morning, I missed the train. I had to catch the next train. It came a fucking hour later. And, and the, the, the thing is, near where my house is, there's this quarry and there's all these giant uh, trucks that are full of rocks and it's like this long mountainy curvy road that because it's a fucking quarry that these trucks drive on so what could take me four minutes sometimes takes 12 minutes so sometimes like that you know with the stoplights and everything like that these slow slow ass trucks just slow me down and then obviously the cake topper is a lot of cake tonight uh, the cake topper is this final traffic light right before that's a minute and 40 seconds and I'm just like this is fucking insane um, yeah, that's my view is that red light cameras break the agreement between public and police. Look, I so I uh, the roads in New Jersey now I'm commuting obviously every day. Uh, I got I got a highway at 65 mile an hour speed limit. Everybody does 80 to 85. Now, when I'm in the pickup truck, I can't keep up, right? So, like, I'm always surprised. And every once in a while, there'll be somebody doing like 65, 70 which is the speed limit plus five or plus five. And people are just whizzing by them, like blowing their horns uh, in the Audi. I'm good. I'm just, bzz, bzz, but, and I can stay with traffic, but 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, which is just wild. And I, sometimes that's, like, that's normal though, but that's everybody's doing it. I have to, I, I struggle to keep up in the pickup truck. I'm like, this is fucking fast. Sometimes I got shit in the back of the pickup truck. That's like not secured down, like sometimes like garbage or, or some shit. Got some cardboard boxes in there this week. Um, and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to go too fast. Right. I don't want yeah. that shit to blow away. Uh, and I'm not about to pull over the side of the highway and tie this shit down. So but yeah, this. The the issue, let, let me check my notes here. The problem with traffic like cameras and speed cameras, who's asking for them? Who the, the cities see them as a free source of revenue. Well, yes, but how do they get requested in uh, in school zones, in residential areas uh, in high pedestrian areas, you know, like Midtown Manhattan, Times Square type thing? Yeah, but they don't do anything to actually reduce the danger to the people that they're seeking to protect. They just fine people for breaking the law. Well, the argument would be that people will. No, so that's yeah, you're right. Now, there's a sign that says red light camera. Now you have a double-edged sword because it encourages people to slow down. It discourages people from speeding. But when you see this sign out of the blue, what do you do? You look down and check your speed. Well, you know what you could also do is you could just put the sign that says red light camera and not actually have a red light camera. It'll serve the same purpose. Very good point. Very good point. Um, so you have, uh, you have this, this sign that says red light camera and people immediately look down. They don't look at the road. They don't look at the sidewalk. They don't look in the rear view mirror. They look down at their speedometer. Not good. So I was reading a British study uh, today about how they've, and I don't, I think there's other studies that contradict this, but where they've put red light, not red light, where they put speed cameras, there are more accidents. No, it's not surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the data is probably pretty thin on that, but 
because uh, there's not that many accidents. It's not like people are getting an accident, you know, 15, 20 times a day. It's like a couple times a month, maybe, especially yeah. in England. But, uh, you know, the, the, the argument is that it saves lives, but no, it doesn't. It, it's really an income generation source for the city. Uh, that's impossible to argue because the city's the one calibrating them. So, you know, just like my issue with my pet peeves earlier on, you know, everybody's going to justify everything. And, and you're asking the authority to justify themselves. Like they're the authority at the end of the day. So you, it's a lose lose. Um, I got pulled over in uh, Harlem once and I might've been going a little fast, but it was, it was, it was like one of those thunderstorms where like the rain just it's like total monsoon, like all of a sudden instantly. And, uh, and I'm trying to pay attention and drive. And there's a guy that's got his, his speed, his speed gun on me. And he pulls me over and he takes me for doing like 35 and a 25, nothing excessive. And, uh, I think he, he, it was 40 and a 25. And, uh, I was like, doesn't the rain interfere with that? And he's like, well, you know, it's, uh, he's like, you were doing 40 and a 25. So we went to court and I, and he, and he, and so he reads a statement about how he calibrated and he went through the checklist of everything he did to verify that his speed camera was good. And I was like, so you remember that? And I'm like, now I'm just talking to the guy in court. I'm like, so, so you remember that day very clearly. Right. And he says, yes, of course I have everything documented here. And I'm like, okay. Um, so, you know, that I was going North, you were aimed South, correct. Uh, and I'm like, what was the weather at the time of the event? And he's like, oh, that's irrelevant. I'm like, well, one, I imagine that, you know, if there was precipitation, it might interfere. But two, you know, you're you got all these notes. You don't remember anything. You know, it's it's it was a severe downpour. Um, either way, I fucking lost. I don't know. Two points. In my <laughs> license. Uh, I got a decent number of points. in my. I was in the Hamptons uh, 2018. We got like and- one minute left. Yeah, but, uh, I got I got five minutes left by the Facebook clock, and Facebook is a, is a clock we measure by. Um, so uh, we, it was bumper to bumper traffic. Been sitting there for like fifteen minutes. Nobody's going anywhere. So I just did a U turn, and it was like uh, you know the Hamptons. You know the Hamptons. Your grandparents were out there. No, they were about halfway out. They were um, uh, in Blue Point near Patchogue, which is about okay. halfway. Hamptons uh, are like three quarters, and then farther out. Yeah, well, e- either way, it's like it's a rear, really, uh, like a, like back to the future hometown type vibe. You know, like you got all the storefronts on Main Street type of thing. So I did a, I did a, a U turn. Other people were doing U turns. Police pulled me over, and they were like, "Oh, you did a U turn. That's illegal." I'm like, "Oh, other people are doing it. I didn't, I didn't realize." Like, well, there's a double yellow line, which also carries two points. I would say, well, what if I need to take a left? Can I, am I not allowed to do that over a double line? I'm sure there would be an opening in the. Either way, two points of my license. Um, I don't know. One really for each for, line. Yeah, apparently, yeah. And then obviously the insurance shit goes up. Uh, you know, I've had a radar detector since 2004. Um, people gave me money in high school when I graduated to buy college textbooks. And I basically just bought auto parts. And sunglasses. She's a little fucked up. I did buy some textbooks, but uh, explains your grades. Yeah, I mean, I never read them. I never opened. You know how you know you know my friend George, right? Yeah, Lebanese Lebanese George. Him and I are friends because I brought my calculus textbook to class every day, and then he would borrow it. I never opened that. Literally, I never opened that textbook once. How'd you do in calculus? Poorly. I actually I went on to Calc two and. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I passed Calc 2 or I almost uh, didn't. Pass. I don't know. I went and retook Calc 1 again, though, because I was like, fuck, I, I definitely didn't learn Calc 1. So I had to retake Calc 1 so that I could understand what they were trying to teach me in Calc 2, uh, which was actually helpful. We had a really good math teacher, but I never opened the textbook and uh, he used to borrow it. So I, I did buy textbooks. But the point is, once I graduated high school, I, you know, people were giving me you know, people, get, I, I love being a kid. People give you birthday cards and they give you uh, graduation cards and shit. And there's cash in there. Uh, so I bought a radar detector. I bought that Valentine one radar detector and I've never gotten a ticket with a radar detector. 
So in my opinion, good investment, 400 bucks at the door, save me hundreds of dollars in attorney fees and, and, uh, and speeding tickets. So that's my advice, kids. Buy a radar detector, but don't be stupid. Drive safe, all right? Don't, don't do shit that, that we used to do in the, in the fucking mountains, racing each other. I thought you said, don't, don't do something I wouldn't do. Like, that's poor advice. Yeah, I know. I don't know. You learn your own lessons, but just don't be fucking dumb. Uh, on that note, though, guys, let's uh, let's cut. We're uh, we're at, at the hour mark. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you guys for all the nice messages last week. Obviously, you guys knew that I had uh, some some shit going on, so thank you for that. Uh, thank you to Rosh, who's manning uh, the Sip Talk podcast platform. Um, thank you, Rosh, for that. Uh, he's watching your comments and uh, keeping us online. So. Uh, and he's feeding us your comments. Uh, so, Rosh, James, stick around. I'm going to do this awkward dismount where I say goodbye to everybody. All right? All right, goodbye, everybody. All right, that concludes this episode. What did you think? Was AOC right? Am I wrong? Was James right? Was I right? Uh, all right, that's it. Let me know. Let me know what you thought. I will see you guys next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.